0: All right, <laughs> 2019. Are you ready to grow? How are you guys doing tonight? Great to see you. My name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors. If it's your very first time, I want to welcome you. What an exciting time of the year! New series kicking off next weekend. Life group signups today. This new 2-5-3-5 ministry. So excited! Not only do we have life groups, but the final. Uh, the final uh, Friday of every month, we're kicking off a large group meeting for that group. Uh, and so we're excited about that new, new launch. And then just quick update, I sent you an email uh, the, the last week of the year with kind of where we're at financially and great news. Y'all came through like always and uh, we surpassed our December goal. And for, the, uh, yeah, and for the initiative for the poor, for the homeless center, uh, over $200,000 have come in. And so, uh, so awesome. Last number I saw was 211. That'll probably continue to to grow up, uh, but, uh, or go up, go up, grow up, whatever. Um, But uh, anyway, um, I'm excited to be here, and we're going to be going to our time of teaching. And so if you're new here at Rocky Peak, a special welcome. Uh, Inside your program is a green and white message note sheet. We use it every week. And uh, if you're all ready to go, then I'm going to jump in. You ready to go? Okay, let's pray together. God, we're just excited to be here, to be pursuing you as a church at the start of a whole new year. And uh, we just pray that as we kick off this new year, God, we just be open to whatever you wanna do in our lives, not only today, but for the year. And we pray that this message would help prepare us. And so we pray that as I'm speaking, more importantly, you would be speaking. And you'd be speaking to each of us according to our need and preparing us for what you have for a year of growth. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, our story starts today in the south. Uh, It's where he's grown up, and and he's a very successful businessman. In fact, uh, he got into his industry at the right time. He made some uh, really smart moves, and he has made a boatload of money. And so, though he's relatively young, uh, he has got more money than he knows what to do with. And so he's trying to figure out what to do with the rest of his life. And one of the challenges he has is that there are so many options with almost unlimited money and free time that he could do so many things, but he really wants to do something that will make a difference. He's had a lot of success, but he wants to have significance. And so as he's pondered this for months now, He feels like he needs some help, and so he decides to reach out and to hire one of the top internationally known business consultants of the time to come and work with him and to help him figure out uh, what he should do with his life. And so the day finally comes, and they meet, and they greet, and they have coffee, and they spend the next couple hours talking, and this businessman shares with the consultant, here's my story, here's my successes. Here's my failures, here's my strengths, here's my weaknesses, and here's my options. Can you help me figure out what to do with my life? And so he says to him, he says, well, I need to ask you a question. And if you could answer this question, and you could answer it honestly, then I can help you figure out a strategic plan for your life. But if you can't, I can't help you. He says, so what's the question? Well, today <laughs> we are kicking off a new year together. Aren't you excited? It's so good to be here together, and uh, just looking forward to it. And I don't know about you, but I love this time of the year. I love this this weekend of the year, the first weekend of the new year, because it's such a natural time for us to do some investigation of our kind of exploration of our life, where we've been, where we're going, uh, rethink our priorities. Uh, make some mid-course corrections, and get ready to grow. And so this year, I want to ask you, uh, this weekend, I want to ask you a question, and that's as we enter into 2019, are you ready to grow? Well, we'll see. All right. And to help you answer that question in an honest and authentic way, uh, I'm going to ask you three more questions today. All right. And so there in your notes, you have a section that's called Are You Ready to Grow? Three questions. So let's let's jump in. All right, so these three questions are gonna help you evaluate your life, where you're going, your direction, your priorities, your commitments. And we're gonna to see together if we can figure out are we ready to grow as we go into the new year? So the first question goes like this Are you ready to invest? Now I'm not talking financially because that hasn't gone so well recently. What I'm asking you, what I'm asking is, are you ready to invest the time, the energy, and the resources required to grow this year? And I want to start with a passage of scripture that we've actually looked at, I think, the last two years on this weekend, but it's a a fascinating passage. It's a challenging passage. I want to come back to it again as we kick off the new year. It's a passage from a man that we call the Apostle Paul, he's one of the key leaders of the early movement of Jesus. He's writing to a young friend, uh, 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 another leader in the church that he's mentoring. And uh, the passage is in 1 Corinthians, or 1 Timothy chapter 4. And so it says there in your note sheet, he says, uh, this young man's name is Timothy. He says, Timothy, train yourself to be what? Godly. Now we don't use that word a lot, but. It's, uh, it's, kind of a, it's a word in Greek, it's very hard to translate and get the idea in English, but the idea is that God has a vision for your life. There's a way that life is meant to be lived, a way that life uh, will thrive. Um, it, it's a way that in, in the Greek culture was used to, to live a life that is kind of right with men and the gods, you know, that you would live life to the full. And so he says, train yourself to be godly, and this word for train is an athletic word in the Greek. It's the word gumnadzo, which where we get our word, gym, gym, gymnasium. Yeah, so it's it's an athletic word. So he says that God has this vision for your life that you would become like your creator, you'd be godly, you'd live life the way it's meant to be lived. But he said in order to experience that, you need to train for it like an athlete preparing for competition. And then skipping a few verses down, he says, so don't neglect your gift. So Timothy is a leader. Uh, He's got leadership gifts, teaching gifts, wisdom gifts. Um, But as we know, as followers of Jesus, when we come to Jesus, we all receive gifts, don't we? We all have different spiritual gifts, uh, life experiences, uh, talents, personalities, and so on. And so he says that uh, as followers of Jesus, don't neglect your gift. But he said, instead, be diligent in these matters and give yourself wholly to them so that everyone can see your what? Right. Progress. So if you start working out, you eat right, people start noticing the progress, right? They look at you and they say, wow, you're looking great. Like, what's been going I start waiting, like I'm training, right? I'm in training. And the same thing spiritually says that, that when we're training, that when we're, uh, when we're focused and investing in our growth, he said that if we're doing this well, others will see the difference. They will look at our life and say, wow, you're changing. Something is happening. Right? And so uh, the question that I have then is as we enter this new year, that are you prepared to invest in your growth? Are you ready to train for godliness. And so, of course, there's many different ways that we can invest in based on your life experience, your spiritual growth, your situation in life. Uh, The Holy Spirit is going to have a different plan for each of us. We we don't invest the same way, but much like in physical training where there are certain things that we all need to do, it uh, doesn't matter what, what uh, you're training for. We need to strengthen the core, right? And in a similar way, that as followers of Jesus, there are certain things we all need to do to train. And uh, this takes me back to something we've talked about this last year a lot, is we've talked about this three-legged stool model of spiritual training. And we talked about this, that, that our lives, if we're going to grow, if we're going to thrive, we're going to become the people that we need to be, if we're going to invest in that growth, that we need to uh, invest in large group. You see the diagram there. a kind of large group experiences, like every weekend we gather here. Don't we? We gather to hear the word. We we gather to uh, to seek the Lord and worship. We gather to pray and to to meet and ex- an experience and encounter God. And so we all need large group kind of worship uh, learning experiences, right? But we also need small groups like. Like in our, in our context often, it's like life groups, a place where we can roll up our sleeves, share our story. Like we just saw in that beautiful video where Lauren uh, jumped in, shared her story uh, that she grew, others grew. We grow together. You know, we take the journey together. We speak into each other's lives. We encourage, we challenge, we learn from each other. We all need a smaller group where you take the large group and you break it down into smaller groups. Groups And then we also need this third leg, this one-on-one time with God. As good as the large group is and small groups is, there's no substitute for developing a personal and intimate relationship with anyone without spending time with them one-on-one. And so we need to develop what we call here at Rocky Peak a rhythm of relationship where we're meeting with God one-on-one in a regular basis, where we're sharing our heart, we're reading his word, we're processing our life in prayer, we're joining him, partnering in prayer to, king, to bring about his kingdom, we're learning to hear his voice, we're connecting, right? And so, and so this is something that for every one of us in this room, that if we want to grow this year, become all that God has called us to be, that we need to pursue this three-legged Stool approach, right? That's like our core, strengthening the core. Uh, by the way, this is why one of the reasons why next weekend we're kicking off this new series, loving people, doing relationships a whole new way, and why we're doing it with the three-legged stool approach. We're going to be doing weekend teaching, large group, small groups. We'll be discussing it one-on-one. You'll be doing the study, like five-day-a-week kind of study, right? So we're going to we're going to do it. So we start the year strong together. But, but that strengthening the core, that's where our training starts. But have you noticed that the Holy Spirit has a particular agenda for each of our lives? And when I talk about investing in your growth, it's going to look different for every believer. And I can't tell you what your experience is going to be this year, what the Holy Spirit's going to call you to, uh, to do. But I know the Holy Spirit is very creative. And so, uh, for example, he may call some of you to a certain course. He may bring certain books into your life this year, certain podcasts, certain messages from other speakers or churches or whatever it is. Uh, for, for some of you, he's going to uh, call you uh, to experiment and to explore, celebrate recovery. Like you're going to say that the Holy Spirit's going to put that in your heart. For some of you, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to come to you and say, "Hey, your marriage needs help and you've been trying to do this on your own, and to move into the future I have for you and to grow you need to get some professional counseling. Uh, for some of you, you've gone through times of uh, tremendous maybe sexual abuse or physical abuse, or you've gone through a rape and you've been afraid to look at that, and the Holy Spirit's going to say, "Hey, you need to seek out some." Uh, some resources here. For some of you, uh, the Holy Spirit is going to say, "Hey, this is the year I'm calling you to take that ministry trip to uh, overseas, that global ministries trip." Uh, for the others of you, is going to say, "Hey, this is the year." Actually, actually, not this year. It's too booked up already. But this, <laughs> but but it's going to be like He's calling you to go to Israel. For so many of you, have been that's been life changing. Yeah, like uh, five years from now. But. Uh, but for some of you, uh, God's going to call you. It's been a life changing experience to, to go to where Jesus walked and to see the lands. And it's going to make the Bible. And this is his. Are you with me here? What I'm saying is, is that the Holy Spirit is very creative. And that he knows your name, and he knows your life, and he knows your path, and he's got a plan, and he, he wants to train you for godliness. But the question is, will you come under the leadership of the Holy Spirit as your life coach? And will you invest in your growth this year? So the first question is, are you ready to invest? The second question is, are you ready to take a risk? I don't know if you've noticed this, but there is a, like a spiritual equation that goes like this. Remember in school, it's like A equals B and B equals, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. It goes like this, that growth equals faith and faith equals risk and therefore growth equals risk. Have you ever noticed this, that in the Bible, that growth and faith, faith and risk, faith and risk are like the flip side of the same coin. Let me, let me give you an example. One of my favorite accounts in the Gospels, the life of Jesus and the life of Peter, is when the two of them decide to go in an early morning walk on the Sea of Galilee in a storm. Right? And so uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with that story, but let's just kind of walk it through again, right? So, uh, so here's a scene. Uh, I'm going to kind of piece together the story from Matthew 14 and John 6, but the day before, Jesus uh, has just fed the 5,000. Now remember, it's 5,000 men Many of them are going to have wives there, kids there. So we're probably talking 10, 15,000 people. And so the people, they look at Jesus feeding them miraculously, and it triggers memories of Moses feeding the nation of Israel in the wilderness. And they're like, hey, maybe this is the prophet that Moses said one day will come. Maybe this is the king. And so in John's gospel, we're told they decide that they're going to take him by force and make him the king, proclaim his king. Now, this would be extremely dangerous. You know, John the Baptist had recently gotten his head cut off for claiming that the kingdom of God was at hand. Jesus was announcing the same exact message. If they try to come and make him king, uh, the, 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 the might of Rome will descend. It could be a very bloody mess. And so Jesus uh, realizes the danger. He dismisses the crowds. You need to go home. But he gets his disciples, leaders of the movement, gets them on a boat out of harm's way, sends them out across the water, the Sea of Galilee. Jesus then heads up on the mountain to pray for a few hours, kind of pray through the danger, maybe pray through his temptation but Matthew tells us at the fourth watch of the night, which is between three and six in the morning, so he's been up there for hours praying, he decides to catch up with his disciples and take a shortcut. Now, I don't know if this is the first time Jesus had done this, or he would often do this when no one was walking. But I want you to remember the scene. It's, it's three in the morning, four, it's dark out, A huge storm has come up, which is very common on the Sea of Galilee. So often we picture this scene, we picture this scene as a flat, calm lake with Jesus walking on the, it's not like that. This is the middle of a storm. You've got waves several feet high. The disciples are afraid they're going to be killed. So you need to picture Jesus walking up a wave and down a wave. And walking up, which makes it much more fun, right? It's just like, so, odd. wouldn't you love to do that? It's like, that's better than going to, you know, space for hundred grand. So anyway, so anyway, Jesus is walking to them as if this is no big deal. They have no context for this. They don't know he can do this. And so when they look out and see someone coming up and down the waves in the middle of the howling storm where they're about to die, they freak out. And so Jesus realizes this and he calls out, hey, it's me. (laughs) Actually, what he said is, I am, which is a whole nother story. (laughs) I am. And, And so Peter says, hey, if it's you, command me to come to you. Now, I get this, that you want to verify the identity of the ghost, right? I get that. But I'm thinking, isn't there a smarter way? Like, I'm thinking, what's your mother's maiden name? What's the last four of your social? What's the Wi Fi password of our place in Capernaum? (laughs) But for whatever reason, he's like, hey, if it's really you and you're not a ghost, then command me come to you. And Jesus says, come on out. And I love Matthew's description. He says, so he got down out of the boat. Now picture this dark night, howling wind, huge waves, and you're putting your foot on the water and like magic. It is solid. And he pulls his other foot out, and then he begins to walk up and down towards Jesus. And as you know, this story doesn't end well, right? That, that all of a sudden, he looks around at the wind and the waves. He's like, this is crazy. What do they think I'm doing? I can't be doing this. And so he takes his eyes off of Jesus uh, and onto the waves, which is a whole other lesson, And he begins to sink, and Jesus has to rescue him. And often when we tell this story, we read this story, we focus on the end of the story and his failure. And we say, hey, in our life, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus when we're in the midst of the storm, not on the waves. And, of course, that's true. But I always love to focus on the start of the story because there are 11 other disciples that have their life preservers on holding onto the boat. You've only got one dude out on the water and I'm thinking like because he's willing to listen and follow Jesus and take a risk, he is gonna do what no other man other than Jesus will ever get to do. How much cooler is that than hoverboards, right? Like, this is just the ultimate. Can you imagine him sitting around with his grandkids telling this story? It's like, talk about tall tales, right? (laughs) But the reason I love this story is it illustrates this this famous quote by by Jordan O'Brien. It illustrates that if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And what you see all through the Bible is that when God is at work in someone's life, it is not a safe place to be. It is a good place to be. But as, as, uh, as the children in Narnia learned, is Aslan safe? Are you kidding me? Aslan is not safe but he is good. And we're going to follow Jesus. You need to just understand this, that as followers of Jesus, he will repeatedly ask us to get out of the boat and to follow it. Think about it. Abraham has to leave his home and go to a land he doesn't know where he's going. Moses has to go back and face his fear and go back to one of the most powerful men in the world where last time he was there was a warrant for his arrest or murder. Joshua has to command the priest to go into the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant at flood tide, at flood season, and they have to cross and face the giants. David has to run to Goliath with five stones and a sling. Esther has to approach the king without permission, risking her life. Nehemiah has to give up his high-paying job to take the risky journey to go back to Jerusalem for a back-breaking assignment of building the wall. And Jesus will have to set his face like stone to Jerusalem for the ultimate risk. Men and women... I can guarantee you, if you're a follower of Jesus, risk-taking is a way of life. Now catch this, I'm not talking about crazy risks. Well, sometimes. But I'm not talking about crazy risks we come up on our own and then ask God to back our play. I'm talking about when Jesus calls to us to get out of the boat. And so the question as we go into this new year is are you ready to take a risk? And the reality is is that risk comes in many forms. And so what might that look like for you? Uh, Well, I was thinking about for some of you, you've been coming to Rocky Peak for a few weeks, a few months, and this is all new to you. This whole Jesus thing is completely new to you. You weren't raised in a Christian home. You've never seen yourself as religious. But for whatever reason, you found yourself here. And week after week, you're coming. And week after week, you, you would describe It's like it's weird. Like when you come in this place, it's like the presence of God is here. You sense it. And you... To your surprise, you've really connected with the teaching, whether it's me or Dre or David, you've connected with the teaching, and it's made sense, and you've even begun to follow some of your life, and your life is going better. And yet you have not yet given your life to Jesus. And you've not yet come under his leadership as your king. You've not yet asked him to come into your life and given your life to him and receive his gift of forgiveness and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you're still in the boat. Jesus is on the waves and you're in the boat and he's calling to you and it looks scary. What might this mean? What will my friends say? What would my parents say? What will my spouse say? What will my coworkers say? It looks scary to you. Uh, Jesus is calling. And for some of you, the question is, Will you take a risk this year and cross over the line from a Jesus fan to a Jesus follower? and Give your life to Jesus and be baptized and say, I'm in. For some of you, the risk this year is going to be take joining a life group. We just saw this beautiful story of Lawrence and how risky that is. To join a group, you don't know who is there. And then there's going to be risks of sharing your life and story with others. And the risk that the Holy Spirit's going to call you to as you enter this year is to take that risk and join a group. For some of you, like I mentioned earlier, that gift is going to involve counseling or looking at your past for the first time in a long time and confronting some of your deepest fears. For some of you that God is gonna come at some point this year and ask you to a new step of obedience or surrender that's gonna scare you to death. For some of us in this room that Jesus is gonna ask you to get out of the boat and he's gonna call you into a new ministry to stop sitting on the sidelines and to get in the game. And it's gonna feel risky. For some of you, the Holy Spirit is going to give you some new spiritual gifts or call you to explore some new gifts he's already given you. And it's really scary. For others of this room, that it may, the, the risk may be changing a career, changing a job. It may involve a move. Like, Idaho is the place right now, if you want to know. I like, uh, right? Um, right? But not that I want you to leave here, but, but if he wants you in Idaho, I don't want you here, right? You're just going to mess up things here if you're not where you're supposed to be. Remember Jonah? Like, the whole ship's going to go down, right? <laughs> but the point is, I don't know what your risk is or when it will come in 2019. But I know that we will all be called to risk because as followers of Jesus, he never lets us stand still for long. He loves us too much to let us linger and not become the people we are created to be. And you know what's interesting is that sometimes when Jesus calls us to get out of the boat, It's not a physical risk, it's not going to a counselor, it's not starting a new ministry, it's not uh, like Abraham leaving your homeland, but sometimes the risks that he calls us to are a spiritual or theological or a psychological risk. And you say, well what do you mean? Let me give you an example from the life of Peter. We just looked at the story of Peter where Jesus asked him to get out of the boat. That's a physical risk, right? But many years later, after Jesus had left, the early church had launched, the Holy Spirit had come, the movement of Jesus was rapidly growing, that the Holy Spirit called Peter to take a major theological risk. And the story is told in Acts 10 and Acts 11. We, won't have, we don't have time to go there. But basically, that he, Peter has a vision from the Holy Spirit. And the bottom line is that God is calling Peter to be the first apostle that would take the message of Jesus to non-Jewish people. Now, for us today, that would seem like no big deal. But you have to understand, in the early church, all Christians were Jews. And it's interesting because in spite of the fact that Jesus had told them to go into all the world, they seemed to have heard that through their Jewish mindset, that that meant go into all the world and share the message of the Messiah with Jewish people. The concept that Jesus had come for the whole world was completely outside their paradigm. And catch this, it, went, it, it was counter to the way they read their Bibles. This conviction was deep conviction based on the Bible. And so when the Holy Spirit called Peter to go and share the message of Jesus with this Roman military officer and his household, Cornelius, Peter was blown away. And it felt completely risky. In fact, he initially said no. Uh, As we we go through the story, we find out that Peter had eaten kosher his whole life. He had never had a BLT like (laughs) one time. And he had never gone to, he would never, as the story unfolds, he says this, "I, I would never go to the house of a Gentile I would never have a meal with a Gentile. Are you with me? This is completely outside of his paradigm of what the Bible taught about God's will for his life. And when the Holy Spirit asked him to get out of the boat and he listened and followed, and as a result, the movement of Jesus became a worldwide movement. And here's the irony, is that when they started going back to the word, they realized it was in the word all along. They had just not seen it because their paradigm didn't allow them to see it. And you know, this can happen in our life, that often the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in new ways, but in order for us to move into the future God has for us, he has to break down some of our our psychological, spiritual, theological paradigms, catch us that we think are based on the word, but really aren't. Like, let me give you an example from my life. When I was a younger believer, I loved the word. I always had this tremendous love for the word, but because I had such a love for the word, I was very skeptical of truth, of God using any other disciplines to bring truth into my life outside of the word. Are you with me? So in other words, I was very skeptical of psychology. I was very skeptical of sociology. I was very skeptical of science. Right? And the reason was because of my high value of the word. But through a series of events, God began to show me this important truth that all truth is God's truth. And that the way God has designed it, he has revealed himself, yes, through special, what we call in theology, special revelation, the word of God through Jesus. But he's also revealed himself through what we call general uh, revelation, through nature and through the study of nature and just the study of life. And what he began to show me is, yes, the Bible is always our ultimate judge of truth. And so any truth claims that are made by psychology or sociology or business or leadership books or uh, any claims, truth claims, need, need to be filtered through the grid of God's word. But the craziest thing is that often God can use truth from other sources to correct our faulty paradigms of the way we read the word. Think back when there was a day when Christians believed, hey, the the." The, uh, the sun revolves around the earth, right? And they felt like the Bible supported that. Because the Bible talks about sunsets and sunrises. But when science showed us it wasn't that way, they had to go back to the Word and say, you know what, the Word is written in everyday language like we, ta- we still talk about sunsets and sunrises today. You know, and I don't go out and say, wow, it's just such an incredible revolution today you catch it? Yeah, it was revolving at that time. It was just so crazy. As we came up on the sun, it was amazing, right? And so what we learned is we learned that it wasn't that there was a conflict between science and the Bible. It's we, we were reading our Bible wrong, right? And so there's many times in our life where the Holy Spirit will want to, uh, will want to lead us into our future, but like Peter, he's got to break down some old paradigms. So let me just give you some examples. Uh, Some of you have been raised or exposed to a very legalistic brand of Christianity where a lot of man-made rules have been added to the Word of God. And it's really messed with you, but that's the way you were raised. And so if you start coming into a setting, a church, a teaching, it says that's not, no, you have freedom in Christ to do what the Spirit says there. That's not like a rule that it's very, it feels risky, doesn't it? It feels risky to leave legalism because deep in our heart we're afraid that if we leave that, we're leaving God, we're leaving his word. But what do we need to do? We need to come back to the word and say, what does the word really say? And then we hold on to what it says and we get rid of everything else. Uh, Some of you have been raised in certain circles where there's certain theology that's been taught Maybe it's about the second coming. Maybe it's about baptism. Maybe it's about, uh, I don't know, some other spiritual gifts. And it was very, this is the way the word teaches. And then you meet other Christians who love Jesus and love the word, and they say, "That's we disagree. And you're like, what? All Christians have to believe this. This is what I was taught. And the Holy Spirit is trying to break through and break through a paradigm. So are you with me? The word is always our final judge of truth. And sometimes people will come and say, no, we've been misunderstanding the Bible all these years, like with our sexuality debates right now. And yes, we need to go back to the Word and say, have we misunderstood? And you come back to the Word, we say, no, that Orthodox Christianity has had it right all this time. Thank you very much. (laughs) That you're trying to say that we've been reading the Word wrong, but you're wrong. Like this is clearly what the word teaches, right? So are you with me here? So we always have to bring it back. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up today is because we're gonna be going into this new series next week, loving, uh, loving people, doing relationships a whole new way. And for some of you, I don't think for most of you, but for some of you, this, is going, this series is going to challenge some of your paradigms. For example, one of the things that we're going to learn, and I won't go into this all today. I will talk about it uh, in a couple weeks. But one of the things we're going to learn, if we want to build the love people well and build authentic relationships with others, that the first step is to learn to be radically honest with ourselves about our deepest thoughts, our deepest feelings, and our deepest motives. And you say, well, why would that matter? Well, because if you don't know yourself, how can you connect with someone else? But for some of you, that's gonna be very scary to look especially at the dark side of your deepest thoughts, emotions, and motives. But the Holy Spirit is gonna want to bring freedom and growth and teach you how to love as he does that, but for some, that will be very scary. For some of you, you've been taught that as followers of Jesus, we should never look back at our past. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. But What we're gonna see in this series is that we cannot move into our future if we are not honest about our past. If we don't confront our past and bring it into the light of Jesus where he can heal us from our past, we cannot move into the future. We will drag the past with us in ways we, can't, we, we are not even aware of. But for some of you, that will be very scary because there's certain things that have happened in your past that are very painful and you've just walled off. I don't want to think about those things. And maybe even theologically you've you've been taught you should not do that. After you come to Jesus, the old things have passed away. And the Holy Spirit's gonna challenge that. And it's gonna feel risky for you. For some of you, just the fact that we're gonna be in our study going through reading these books by you know, A couple pastors, that's even going to be threatening or feel bad. You're going to be kind of like I was, uh, where it's like Bible only. The only thing we should be reading in, a, in our small group is the Bible. Right? And that's going to be a challenge for you. So here's what I want you to, to, to understand, is that not every new paradigm that comes along is from the Holy Spirit we need to always weigh, is this Jesus calling me or is it the other side calling me? And we need to always evaluate any new truth claims through the word. But what I want you to catch is often in our lives like Peter, the risk that God is gonna ask us to take is not a risk of a move, a new job, a new ministry, joining a life group, the risk is gonna be a new paradigm. But as we go through that, as we listen and follow and go out on the waves, we're gonna meet Jesus and be transformed in amazing ways that never could have happened. When I look back at my life and where I was, I see what God has done in my life and what he's taught me in the realms of history and science and psychology, And and, uh, science and the way he's expanded my views and the way I've learned that all truth is God's truth. Like my life has been radically changed by that paradigm shift. And the same is true for all of us. That when the Holy Spirit breaks down old ways that we think are from the word, but they really aren't, it leads us into a whole new future, but it will always feel scary. The third question is, are you ready to answer the question? And you say, well, what is the question? Well, this takes us back to the story we started the day with. A story of this kind of middle-aged, I don't know, 40s maybe, businessman who has just made a boatload of money, Um, but he's trying to decide what to do with the rest of his life. He wants to move from more success to significance, and many of you may recognize his story. Maybe you've read his story. Maybe you remember it. I've shared it once or twice for the last 13 years, (laughs) Um, but his name is Bob Buford. And, um, and he's actually, he was a Christian man. He recently passed away. But uh, he was an amazing man. He, he got into the, the cable TV business back when that was a smart idea. <laughs> Not now. Uh, and, uh, and he got in at the right time and he made a lot of great moves and he just made a huge amount of money. And so by the time he's, I don't know, 40s, I can't remember exactly, but he just had more money than he would ever need. And as a follower of Jesus, he really wanted to kind of invest the rest of his life, kind of the second half of his life, in something that would make a difference. And so one of the problems was is that he has so much money and so much time that it's almost like unlimited things you could do. And so after thinking about this for a long time, he hires one of the top strategic planning consultants in the world at that time, a man named Michael Cammie, who'd worked with like IBM and Xerox on their big strategic planning initiatives. And he brought Michael in and and the day comes and he was just so excited to meet him and after they got acquainted, he begins to share his story. And of course, part of it is he shares his faith and it's really interesting because Michael Cammie, at least at the time this happened, was not a believer. It's a great example of how all truth is God's truth and God can speak through so many sources. But he shared his story with Michael and uh, his ups, his downs, his strengths, his weaknesses, the options he has. And after a couple hours, Michael looks at him and he says, Bob, he says, I. I love your story, and I, I can see, you know, why you're confused, but he said, but I, I'm going to ask you a question, and if you can answer this one question, honestly answer this one question, I can help you put together a plan for your life, but with, if you can't answer this question, you're going to vacillate back and forth between the options and never make a difference. And Bob said, so what's the question? He said, the question, Bob, is what's in your box? And Bob said, what? He said, I want, to said, I want you to picture there's a box here in front of us. And in terms of your career, as I've listened to you, it seems like you have two priorities that are fighting with each other. One, you have... All these business opportunities, incredible opportunities. And he said, you're really good at making money. He said, the other thing I keep hearing is that you really want to advance the cause of Jesus Christ in the world. And he said, if you can tell me which of those priorities is your top priority This box only has room for one. If you tell me what goes in the box, I can help you come up with a strategic plan. But if you can't, then you're gonna be going back and forth between those priorities and never accomplish anything. And Bob sat there for a minute and he thought about it and he said, all right, I'm ready. Jesus goes in the box. I want to use the rest of my life to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. He said, okay, then I can help you figure out a plan and how to do that. And Bob went on to start this amazing organization called Leadership Network that works works with large churches and large church, church uh, pastors and executive pastors and key team leaders to help them kind of share best practices of how to further advance the movement of Jesus Christ. I know I've been deeply affected by Leadership Network. Some of my closest friends in ministry, have been deeply impacted by Leadership Network. It's been amazing, had amazing impact. But it happened because Bob, decided what went in the box. And without really being aware of it, I don't think Michael Cammie, this non-believer, was telling Bob what Jesus had said a long time ago. That no one can serve two masters. There's only room for one master in the box. There's only one room in our life for one top priority. So we all have a ton of priorities, right? We've got family priorities and marriage priorities and financial priorities and job priorities and ministry priorities and relational priorities and health priorities. We all have a ton of priorities. But the question is when you boil it all down, what's in your box Because the reality is, if knowing, loving, and pleasing God is your top priority and Jesus is in the box, then here's what I can tell you, you will grow this year. Because you will make time to invest in your growth. And as you invest in your three-legged stool approach, you will grow. And God will speak. And there will be time for you to listen. And time for you to learn. And if God is in your box, when he speaks, you will take the risk you need to take. And because you take the risk you need to take and listen and follow, you will be transformed and everyone will see your progress. The question as we enter into 2019 is what is in your box? Let's pray. Father, we come at the start of the year, we boil it all down, we get down to the basics and we say, what does it take to grow? And as we come back to your word, we, we realize what you said, no one can serve two masters. We may think that we can, but when push comes to shove, there's only room for one top priority. And so Father, we pray that as we enter this year, that we would put you in the box, which would lead to investing in our growth, which would lead to, when the time comes, taking the risk, getting out of the boat, and coming to you on the water. And so, Lord, as we we talk about, as we talk about that, as we worship you now, as we bring you our gifts, our offerings, We pray that you use them to advance the cause of Jesus as together, as a church, we put you in the box. We pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Amen. This will be a year where... I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know the Lord will call each one of us at times to get out of the boat and to walk upon the water. For some of you, it'll be a relational risk. For some, it will be a spiritual risk. For some, it will be a physical risk. But I know this, that all you have to do is look at the Bible and when God speaks to them, You tell me how many times it involves a risk. It's just over and over and over again. May this be a year where we put God in the box. And as a result, we invest in pursuing Him, invest in our growth. And as a result, we hear His voice so when the time comes, we are ready to say yes, Lord, and get out of the boat and walk upon the water. Amen. Amen, Amen. Hey, a couple things as you go. First of all, if you're new here, you may not know this, that every week we have a, a prayer team that meets over by this far wall, and uh, they have badges on. There. They'd love to pray. If you, anything you're going through, they'd love to pray second. As you go, don't forget, we got life group items today. But also, you know, if you're going to be in the loving people study, you're going to need these two books uh, about the emotionally healthy church and then uh, about everybody's normal until you get to know them. Uh, And so, and you'll also need some sort of journal. So, you may have your own journal, that's great. But we've got several different kinds in our bookstore. We're selling all this stuff at our cost. We're trying to keep it as reasonable as we can. Uh, but we've also recently made a new, it's called a listen and follow journal. So I want to make you aware of that. And so uh, I encourage you to get those resources, kind of beat the rush from next weekend, maybe, uh, as we kick off. And the next weekend we'll talk exactly about how this study is going to work here at the weekend services so you're all prepared as we launch in together. Amen? Amen? May this be a year where God's grace and peace is upon you. May this be a year where you will run hard after him. May this be a year you train yourself for godliness. May this be a year you do not neglect your gift. May this be a year where you give yourself wholly to it so we can all see your progress. May this be a year that when God calls, you say yes you leave your homeland, you cross the Jordan River, you take new territory, you go in before the king, you build the walls, that you carry out the plan God has for your life, because at the core of your life, there is one person and one priority that rules them all, and that is King Jesus. He is in the box. Amen? God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next weekend.